um, between each other and between our uh, Father and Savior. And uh, this lesson is um, very similar in in a lot of ways to a, a lot of them I've thought about and worked on this last year or so. And uh, you know, just. Uh, I, I can't remember the last football game I watched, but um, you know, y'all know I played and I coached some, and um, you know what my experiences was were in if you were practicing or trying to have a a group of young men that were going to do really good on the football field. You talked about blocking and tackling and the fundamentals. And you didn't really go much past that until you got that down. But what I would see a lot of times is a lot of times there'd be a coach, and I mean it peewee, and he'd be doing the X, Y, Z, flare out and triple pass and all of that stuff. And, of course, you know what I saw, just fumbling and flipping around and kids bumping into each other because they didn't know what way to go, right? Not ready for that. But it helps no matter what level of maturity you are to always – focus a little bit on the fundamentals and the real basics uh one of the most fundamental understandings that i think is really being lost today is you know how does uh free choice providence uh personal responsibility these kinds of things you know what's my role uh what's god's role and how do i stay in my lane right and and how do I not only how do I stay in my lane in the things that I do, but how about how I stay in my lane with regard to the things that I think, my attitudes, how where's my heart in these things, and what's my understanding of them? And uh, so, um, you know, basically my statement up here is it's important to have a good understanding of how the world works, or is it important? And we know that it is. The fundamentals, right? Um, God's our creator, and he's got plans. He's got a way that things works, and we need to work within that and understand that, right? So I've got this little cartoon. I don't know if the people in the back can see it, but it's uh, old Calvin, and uh, he says, I've decided to be a fatalist. All events uh, are preordained and unalterable. Whatever will be, will be. That way, if anything bad happens, it's not my fault. It's fate. And then, of course, his old buddy trips him, flips him up, says, too bad you were fated to do that. And, of course, he recognizes immediately that that wasn't fate. What was it? It was choice, right? It was choice. And that's kind of, I know that sounds super simple, but that's a little bit about what this is about. Um, we want to understand God's part in this idea of providence, but we also want to understand our part in how this works. This, this lesson came about based on a question, you know, about this idea. Well, if the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything outside of the word, you know, what, what's the role? What's, what's actually going on here? And to understand, uh, some of these things, you know, what's my part? What's his part? Right. And to accept that, um, like, so who suffered for whose choice right here? 
And do y'all know that's how the world works? That's pretty basic, isn't it? You get to understanding that pretty quick, don't you? Uh, he's not in control of his choice, but he, he suffers along with him, right? And so as we look at how all this works and what's the purpose of it, um, could we, uh, as Christians and uh, good Bible students, come up with uh, an attitude that this young man could have where he could benefit from a lesson that just took place possibly? I don't know. I mean, um, and the... And the question there, can an understanding that God knows us as individuals, loves us and works behind the scenes in ways that we can't comprehend for our own good, lead us to the contentment he requires of us? That's a question. And it's important to answer that, right? That's an important question as to how you're going to go through with your attitude through, you know, uh, I'm rolling in the dirt there, uh, because of nothing I did. All right. So I've got a couple of kind of contrasting stories, but they work a lot the same. So I, I'm thankful that y'all know the story, the coat of many colors. Right? Coat of many colors. If this young man, Joseph, could have known kind of where this was headed, what would he have done with that coat of many colors when he got it? He didn't know what, what, what trail he was headed down, maybe starting with that, did he? It was a good thing, wasn't it? I mean, wow, look at this. This is a good thing. Well, did it turn out to be a good thing for him? Y'all know the story. Um, he winds up sold into Egypt. And wait a minute, was that his fault? Was that a result of decisions he made? No. Falsely imprisoned, well, it says there, falsely imprisoned. Coincidence or providence? Right? Genesis 45.5 says, and, this, and we know this is uh, towards the end of the story, and he's talking to his brothers, Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Genesis fifty twenty. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about his present result to preserve many people alive. Um, when we think about stories like Joseph, that he suffered, but he had a good attitude. Was he also blessed? All right. What about Job? Do we see some pictures and get a kind of a, a look into uh, how God works? When we look at these stories like this, we get to see the unfolding of time, right? And a lot of y'all uh, are gray enough to have seen it in your own lives at this point. Uh, and how do you look at those things in your own lives? And is that important, right? Um, you know, I see Angela and Matt sitting there together. And I promise you, I do not think coincidence oh wow they just happened to go to mississippi state together or whatever and wow it's great that happened and woo woo it was good luck right that that happened like that it was just whew, serendipity or whatever uh does it 
does it help to have a view of that um, and an understanding that uh, God's working every day for our good, right? That things are working uh, so that His will can be done, His purposes can be achieved, right? Um, who knows uh, what may happen as a result of that union, right? Who knows what, what good may come, right? So did Joseph suffer wrong, and was Joseph blessed? Whose purpose was met in Joseph's life? Whose plan do we see in the life of Joseph? Was that Joseph's plan that unfolded there? Does anybody imagine that Joseph, at, at those different points where that story's unfolding, was like, well, I'll tell you what, next I need to kind of this happen. And then that's what happened. There's no way, right? So this is, this is where we start getting into some real important thoughts. Did Joseph's faithfulness play a role in God's plan, right? And how did that impact Joseph? Like Joseph was going to suffer either way, right? Looks like. But how did his faithfulness impact maybe his contentment along the way, his attitude, how, how he approached and endured those sufferings? Y'all think his faithfulness helped him through those things? When did Joseph understand these things? You know, we read this verse right here. Do you think that's the understanding he had when uh, he got the multicolored coat as a kid? You think he had a real good grip of that? Did his understanding of the events of his life impact the outcome? And could you say maybe for him, but not really? Isn't it interesting how God's will gets done and how your faithfulness can have a lot of impact on you and some of the outcomes for you or how that, how, how that is endured or how those things wind up going, right? Um, 400 years later, we got another character to study that we can see God's providence unfolding in. All right, so y'all see the picture. Y'all kind of know we're talking about Pharaoh, right? Talking about the whole deal with uh, Pharaoh and Moses. So was, was Pharaoh faithful to God or even aware uh, or interested in participating in God's plan? I think we know the answer to that. In his life, was he blessed? And did he suffer? Yeah. And how do you think his suffering and his blessings were digested and, and processed in his mind and his attitudes versus Joseph's? Did God's plan in his life get accomplished with or without his cooperation? Yeah. 
you know, there's a, y'all know the um, prayer and, and that Jesus made, uh, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Y'all ever think about what that means? I don't know exactly, but I thought about it an awful lot. And what's the difference between how his will gets done on earth and how his will gets done in heaven? Now, looks like the dissenters in heaven ain't there no more. Looks like he gave them the boot, right? So his will happens in heaven with folks cooperating, right? Well, how does his will happen on earth? Does everybody down here cooperate like the angels in heaven do? Is that what y'all see when you go outside and you... Is that how it works here? Works different. But does his will and does his plan and does his purpose happen anyway? It does. And what we want to kind of think about in terms of, and I want to try to figure out a way to make it kind of personal. And so uh, as I travel around, I, I see a lot of things when I'm visiting in different groups. And one of the things that y'all, I know y'all have seen, that I've seen, it's not something we don't know. There's a lot of folks, a lot of places uh, that have folks in them that um, really hadn't matured a whole lot. They've been there for 40, 50, 60 years. And uh, kids and the grandkids ain't there. And um, you start wondering, okay, well, why is it over here they are? And those kids are faithful and on fire and doing the work. And over here, they're not. What's the difference? Did God not want those kids over there to go to heaven? Did those kids over there not want to go to heaven? What influence on, I mean, do we not know that God wants those kids and grandkids and everybody else to go to heaven? Do we know that? We know it, right? So what's the difference? Why is it? That there's folks that reject and folks that accept. Could it have anything to do with the example that you set? The things that you pray for? What's the difference? Does one set of kids see real repentance, sorrow for sin, um, hard work and dedication, uh, separation from the world, uh, Thoughts about an eternal home that are reflected in your in your daily decisions and your attitudes would those things help? Or not? Or is it just wound up and it's just going to go like it's going to go? Is there any? Do you have any responsibility in these things, or is it just a wind up deal? And it's just going to go, and it's all predetermined. And I know uh, Evan likes to talk about predetermined. Right, and how this ties into to to choice, right, and how the choices you make impact some of these outcomes. Now, God's will is going to happen either way, but how do you know what it is, right? Other than He's told you. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart that I may multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. Kind of the irony of free will is part of the things you kind of want to think about. Um, We compare Joseph's life and Pharaoh's life and we see that God's will takes place 
right? In both of those cases, one with the cooperation of the subject and one without, right? Uh, interestingly, as we read our Bibles, we find out that angels were made with that same ability, uh, the choice to obey or rebel. And we see them make the choice, don't we? That's how we know. So basically, even when you choose disobedience, his will is going to get done. His purposes are going to get done. We're marching towards everything that he's promised. Y'all think that your decisions are going to change the outcomes later on uh, with regard to his will and his workings and his plan and his kingdom. Pretty much just whether or not you're in it, right? And you may influence some other folks. When you rebel against God, uh, what is it that you actually accomplish other than to express the free will that is a gift from Him? You're basically demonstrating in, as a, in a way His power and His wisdom. Do you all see that even in rebellion, Pharaoh proved who God was to everybody that was looking? Isn't that interesting? I'm not doing this. I'm not in for this. I'm against it. I got my own way. I got my own will. That's what we're going to do. And what does he wind up demonstrating for everybody that's watching? That God's will is going to get done. Um, let's define this. So if you look up these de uh, definitions, making provision beforehand, timely preparation for uh, future eventualities. The manifestation of divine care or direction. The omniscient directing of the universe and the affairs of mankind. An example of human providence would be to know that winter is coming, that food will be scarce, and then making preparations ahead of time. So I want you to think in those kind of terms. Did uh, do you think God, when he made the angels and we made us, knew what free will was going to do, what was going to result from it? Because what did he have a plan for before he created this earth? Our salvation from our bad choice. Our salvation from sin, from choosing to sin, from choosing to rebel against him. Before you were born, he put that plan in place. Before this world was made, he put that plan in place. But you got to remember that we can we can do some of the same stuff. Miraculous versus providential. This is another kind of conversation that you would have around this. Um, a miracle is something done by God or by his power that falls outside the natural laws he has put in place. Example, the lame man uh, suddenly leaping, a leprous man suddenly clean. That's going to be outside the laws of nature. Providence is God working inside the natural laws he governors, governs and sustains so that his will is accomplished and or your prayers are answered. Um, this is an example here. You're arrested falsely and you're able to teach and baptize the jailer as a result. So you still went to jail. You still had a chance to suffer, but what happened? Something good happened or something bad happened? And how, and, and how important is it 
how you look at that and how you process those things when those things come to you because they're coming. When you pray, are you asking God to intervene miraculously or providentially? You know, so, and I think we'll get to this a little bit further in here, but um, when you pray, oh, I want my kids to be saved, or I want my kids to be obedient to the gospel. Isn't that a little bit like praying for bread and sitting on your backside? Right? I'm not, you know, I hope you got this, Lord. Uh, I'm praying for it every day. But what are you doing about it? Right? You know, it's not that you don't want it. It may not even be that they don't want it. But is there anything getting done? Is there, What's the choices being made, right? Um, I saw again under the sun that the race is not to the swift and the battle is not to the warriors and neither is bread to the wise nor wealth to the discerning nor favor to men of ability for time and chance overtake them all. Um this uh, reference here in Jonah is about this casting lots. Come let us cast lots so that we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Is it coincidence or providence? Did God cast the lots? Did somebody there cast the lots? How does that work? Is it a miracle? Kind of same thing here in uh, Acts one twenty four, And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all men, show which of us, which of these two you have chosen. And they drew lots for them, and a lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. What do you think? Is that a miracle? Is that God's providence? And how do we look at those things, and how, you know, does it matter? Right? Um, how the word is used in Scripture. This is kind of interesting. After Paul had summoned uh, Tertullus, uh, began to accuse him, saying to the governor, Since we have through you attained much peace, and since by your providence reforms are being carried out for this nation. Now, so this is this lawyer dude or whatever bragging on uh, the governor, saying, you know, that. By your providence, reforms are being carried out for this nation. So uh, he's basically saying that this guy, this governor, is making accommodations ahead of time for peace and prosperity, right? Making decisions that work towards that. He's thinking about it, working on it, making things happen, right? Is what he's saying that, hey, governor, I suspect that you're just back in your room huddled up somewhere just wishing it'd be a certain way. Is that what he's saying? Or is he saying, hey, I'm bragging on you because I know you're out here getting it done, making it happen, right? And so what is providence? It's making it happen. Working towards an end. It's translated into that word only that one time. The Greek words used uh, twice, both times talking about men. Here's another one. Uh, Romans thirteen four, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. 
Y'all recognize that one, right? Basically talking about you not uh, making arrangements ahead of time for sin. Now, can you providentially, I mean, can you, can you work things around to put yourself in a bad spot because really that sin's what you wanted anyway, right? Uh, making provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. I can give that extra pie away or I can say, oh, no, 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 let's keep that pie. I won't eat it, but, you know, I've made provisions for that. I want that pie, right? I'm going to get that pie later because I didn't give it to you when you came by the house. I've made provision for later, right? So why study the subject? And it's really because God's forethought and foresight where he's making provision for his plan and his will for us. Um, and his ability and inclination to basically hear and answer our prayers fill both the Testaments. In other words, the Bible is full of this and how he does this. Uh, the revelation that God's busy in the workings of this world, his creation, his uh, preservation, his providence, all working towards the accomplishment of his will, and for our benefit, um, the revelation of those facts, is it important that we embrace those facts? That we know those things? That what he's doing is for our benefit? What about when you're about to go down in that well, and you're about to be sold into Egypt, or you don't know what's going to happen, and you're bitten dropped in there, is it important for you to have some perspective that, God's doing everything for my benefit. Is that an important moment to be thinking about that? So this providence is a demonstration really of his ability, his sovereignty, and his love towards us. And I really don't get into it, but you know the the unrolling of the prophecies concerning Christ, you know, all those prophecies concerning Christ and all those things being rolled out so that we would have proof, basically a demonstration of his ability and his sovereignty. Were there people that didn't like Jesus that were making decisions? I mean, was it good folks that said, hey, this is part of God's plan. Let's put Jesus to death because, hey, that's what God wants us to do. Is that how that went? I mean, the fact that he's able through all that time to fulfill those prophecies is a demonstration of his ability, his sovereignty, and his love. Y'all see that? And when you think about it in terms of the suffering that we see when we look at all of these stories of the faithful, how does that help us, right? Creative and sustaining power. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Worthy are you, our, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. And he is the radiance of his glory, an exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made uh, purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the, mag uh, of the majesty on high. Um. When we see this all revealed, uh, the mystery of his plan 
and what's behind it, the motives, um, these things should be a comfort to us. The laws of the natural order are for your own good. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Again, like, if this asking for wisdom from God, you know, if we're talking about in terms of this idea of the Holy Spirit, what does he do? You know, what are the influences that he has on me, right? You know, that's kind of a little bit some of this question. So think about that just a minute. It's a little bit like asking for bread and sitting in the corner not doing nothing, isn't it? So if you ask for wisdom, how do you go about getting it? Do you know? Do you not know? It's kind of like the guy who's asking for bread but, you know, doesn't ever do anything. Does he somehow not know what he's supposed to do to get that bread? And, and do you somehow not know what you should do to get that wisdom? Where is that wisdom found? Found in his word, meditating on it, and processing through some of the things that we read, like the story of Joseph. I'm, ha I'm having a bad time in my life, right? Where do I get the wisdom to deal with that? Is it just going to come to me because I sit there wanting it? It's kind of like salvation, right? It's out there. But does it have anything to do with the choices you make and the things that you do? Not this idea of earning it. It's sitting there. He's going to give it to you. It's not, it's not like you're fixing to earn it. But you better reach out there and get it, right? You know what to do. 1 Peter 1.5, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. And I don't know about y'all, but I, mean, I think everybody struggles a little bit with this idea of greatly rejoicing, even though now for a little while, if necessary, uh, you have been distressed by various trials. So how, how are you going to do that without an understanding of what he's wanting for you and what his plan is and what's waiting for those that do his will? He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him, Christ, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, having, be pre having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. We look at... Um, things like this, uh, statements like this in scriptures, and we should see uh, the great wisdom in the way he's done this, the revelation of the mystery of this will, what is that going to do for me? Um, now that I know what his will is, what his plan was, and I can see that, what do I see in that? 
Do I not see his love for me? Do I not see that he's got something better planned for me than that, those, that day in the well? At the bottom of that well where my brother threw me down into, in the hole? And how's that going to help me when I'm in the hole? Or is it going to help me? Right? <clears throat> for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these who he, whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. So when you read those verses, we know where we are, right, Evan? For many are called, but few are chosen. So how many does he want to be saved? Does he say everybody? Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her? How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Wait a minute, what? So he wanted to protect them and gather them up and take care of them. Isn't that what he wanted? Isn't that what he told them for all of the, I mean, uh, isn't that, Gary, what we're talking about when we're reading the Old Testament? How he wanted this right here for them, and he promised them uh, that if they would do what? Be faithful, right? Do these things and these things, this is how it's going to go, right? But what was the problem? They were unwilling. So what does, what does their choice have to do with his, his will and his outcome right there? First of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, what's the problem there? How come that's not... I mean, is that happening? That that all are being saved and all are coming to a knowledge of the truth? Is that what y'all see happening every day? Is that what's going on? Well, why is it not going on? Right? And and these are things that it really helps us to process. Uh, why was uh, Calvin on the first page, on the first slide, why was he suffering on the ground there? It was his buddy's choice. But why did he have a bad attitude about it? Whose choice was that? That was his, that's Calvin's choice, right? You know, why is Calvin having a bad day? He's having a bad day because uh, of his choice. Predestined in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that he would be holy, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to the adoption of, as sons through Christ, through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. So it's not our purpose today to talk about this idea of adoption, but this idea of adoption is, uh, as it's talked about in Roman times, it's, it's mostly to adults or more grown folks. It's folks that understand, here's an offer being made. I'm going to give you my name. These are the things I'm going to expect out of you. 
Uh, if you're going to have my name, these are the things you'll be rewarded with, an inheritance in my family. These, these are the things you get, but you're going to do this, this, and this. That's what, that's what adoption looks like, right? Um, so that we would be holy and blameless before him. Well, how, do you, how, how does that get accomplished? It's inside his will, but it also is according to some choices we make, right? For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another uh, from the heart. So... How did you how did your soul get purified right there? That term in obedience, right? But how is that obedience helped along by an understanding of these things, right? How much easier is it to be obedient in difficult times when you understand the purpose of them and what they're for, you know, what they're for and what his plan is. His sovereignty. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty and indeed everything that is in the heavens and the earth. Yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. And in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your strength to make great and to strengthen everyone. So we got to remember... But he's the one in charge. He's the one in control. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and all the deeps. But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. For nothing will be impossible with God. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. But he does according to his will in the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? Having a, a thorough understanding of these things is really very comforting. Um. His ways and abilities are beyond our understanding. So we've had this conversation talking about the Holy Spirit a good bit, and it relates back to these things. I think this conversation of providence and choice and free will uh, require really that we um, acknowledge that we're not going to know how all that stuff works, right? His ways are beyond us, right? Um and you can think of it, I mean, there's times when you're doing stuff for your kids and it just, it doesn't do any good to explain it. Explaining it's not helping. You just tell them what to do and hope they make the right choice based on obedience, right? Faith in you, confidence that you've told them right in the past and they know what's going to happen if they don't do right, right? You hope that's going to work. But explaining it, are there things that they, you need them to do that they just don't get? Right? But you see how that works. And is that is that going to be any different 
for us. Can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? They are as high as the heavens. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? What can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. I'll tell you that some of the arrogance uh, that you see sometimes, the, the pride in people's lives in their own ability to sort these things out. And y'all have probably seen where preachers get together and, they, well, you know, they have these you know, conversations about all this stuff and they're going to sort it all out. Well, nobody has sorted it out yet, but they got it, right? And is that to their detriment to not just accept this right here? Are you going to, can you figure that out? What's he telling you? No. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. I know that everything God does will remain forever. There's nothing to add to it and there's nothing to take from it. For God has so worked that men should fear him. Says that you should fear him, not that you're going to understand everything that he's doing. All of creation, the whole of nature, all meet his purpose. They're all subject to his will and are under his uh, sovereignty, under his reign, under his rule. We may easily and often ask and answer the question, what is too big for God? But when it comes to understanding God's working in our lives daily, this is kind of really what I think may be the better question for us to address, right? Because when we look back at the Bible, we think about all of these big, big, big things, right? And the impact they have on history and the stories that we see unfold in the Bible, and we're, those are just big old fantastic things. Is that how you think about your life? Is that how you think about your life? That it's full of all those big world-altering kind of things. I hope not. (laughs) I hope that's not how you think of yourself, right? Um, So what is too small for God? Do you think God helps in things in your lives every day? Do you think he's providentially working in your life for good for you? Do you think he's got you on his mind? you think he thinks about you? In the last verse, Are not five sparrows sold for two cents, yet not one of them is forgotten before God? Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. What is he telling us? He's telling us that to him, you matter. Right? That he's thinking about you, that he's caring for you, that he has your good in his mind and will. Now, how awesome is that? And how much different does a realization of that, and understanding that you're not necessarily going to understand it, but just to realize that right there. Right? Just to think about that. And, uh, Think about the fact that he means well for us. He's got a purpose and a plan for you, and he's told you what it is. 
He's told you what he wants you to do, right? And as you do those things, think about these stories that you see. And think about how your faithfulness can impact others. How the good decisions that you make can can help with some of the outcomes that you want, right? Um, if you're completely self-centered in the way you go through your life, what is that going to take away from how you're going to be able to impact the people around you? And if you don't love the people around you and want for them what God wants for them, what about the kids and the grandkids? That's easy, right? That's easy to think about. But what about other people? Do you not think in those terms? Um, but he's telling you that you're valuable. And it's helpful to think in those terms, right? You know, that nothing's too small for God, that he's got it, um, but that we've got responsibilities to make uh, good choices, and these choices are going to impact the people around us, and they're going to impact us, and they're going to impact outcomes for folks around us. So we hadn't really talked about uh, what you need to do to... Um, be obedient to God's will. We've talked really more about uh, the concept of understanding uh, how His will uh, unfolds around us. But we've seen that uh, His will for us is our salvation. He's got purposes for us that are positive, that are good, and He wants the best for us. And if you find yourself subject to the invitation that He's made to you, uh, we'd invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.